Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Why this Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Streaming only on Hulu. Friday. All right, we're back on the death lineup. I just got home from watching sixth and seventh grade basketball, so my my focus and my attention is is right in basketball right now. No, it's 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 rough. You remember what sixth and seventh grade basketball was like? Yeah, that was. I I mean, at the in the in the moment playing, I'm like, man, this is the hardest thing ever. But you know, when you're older and you rewatch it, it's like damn it, why didn't I do this X, Y, and Z? But then you go back to when you were in that age range. It's like, well, you couldn't because you weren't you know, mature enough or strong enough or good enough. You didn't know no. enough. You didn't know enough. Exactly. That's probably the main one. Yeah. Uh, both of uh, my, my stepsons, Asher and Felix, are playing for the first time. They were cut last year from the team as sixth graders. So it's a combined sixth and seventh grade team. As sixth graders, they were they did not make the team, so they tried out again this year. They worked pretty pretty hard to make the team. I think it was really important for them, but it's they're still their first time really understanding how to play in a team environment. So big learning curve for them. And like you said, like I'm, you know, I, I'm not very vocal with what they're doing, but there's certain things where I'm just like, you know, when they come home, if you just decided to shoot it here instead of you know, shoot a fadeaway, which has a 0% chance of going in. <laughs> Maybe you get a foul. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's just stuff like that. But it's fun. It's fun watching them. Uh, not, go, no, I want to go watch them. You got to send me the schedule. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's usually, though, on a Tuesday or a Thursday, and it's early. So you would have to finagle your work hell? schedule. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, they'll, they're going to play. I think they're going to do a summer camp and they're going to do some other stuff during the summer so it might be easier to figure that out all right but that's not why we are here this is not the podcast that talks about sixth and seventh grade basketball we are here to talk about the warriors who after yesterday they beat the mavericks to go two and three on a road trip that we were pretty sure they would go two and three on but the Key for us was if they could win that third game. And I had pointed out Atlanta as that possible third game, and they were terrible in that game. But I feel like, and you tell me if this is the the temperature of the fan base and of Twitter is, after those first three games, it was, they suck. They're they're not doing anything. But for whatever reason, after this Dallas win, there's like a rejuvenation in whether or not the Warriors can do something as we head to the playoffs. 
that's just the that's the emotions they've ma- been making us feel conveniently every time we record this podcast. Because if you remember, <laughs> last time we recorded, they were coming off of a Milwaukee and Phoenix win. Yes. And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, three and two. Let's do it. Let's... <laughs> um, but to your point, you said like Atlanta was like that swing game. I think they win that if Draymond plays. Maybe, but they it really yeah, like I mean... it just seemed like all the negatives that were in that game were just holes from not having Draymond. I think good Draymond. He probably makes a difference. John Collins is probably not shooting so many uncontested three pointers. Crazy. Uh, but you know, you're probably right. But at the same time, it's like Draymond, my guy, like, how about we just not get these technicals knowing that the next game we're going to get suspended and it's, you know, eight games or 10 games or 13 games, whatever it was at that point left in the season. Like that's, that, that's a thing, right? The, the Grizzlies had to do that uh, yesterday, I think, where Dylan Brooks missed a game because for the same he missed reason. another one. He's he's at eighteen, so we had to miss one at sixteen or fifteen or sixteen, and then he had to miss another one at eighteen. That guy's just racking them up. <laughs> I feel like there's a bigger conversation though on Twitter right now that I've been trying to point out this season in terms of the refereeing specifically this year. I don't know mm-hmm. if I paid attention more this year, but it definitely feels like there's more anger from the fans and specifically from the teams it seems I've seen... like every fan base ha- has an argument against the referees but then if you see the call disparity yeah it's like some yeah. of those teams who get all the calls are the ones like who dallas, are crying the loudest dallas dallas keep your mouth shut lakers <laughs> keep your mouth shut the rest of us have a case but even team wise like Nick Nurse has come out and said something. Fred Van Vliet came out and said something. And then that referee got demoted. Yeah. Uh, Monty Williams has said something twice now, but I don't feel bad for Monty at all. Like that they have Chris Paul and Devin Booker who are just the ultimate like foul grifters. I don't feel bad for Monty, but no, it just feels like more and more teams have had something to say about the refs. Mark Cuban, good old, you know, doing the protest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I mainly was like, okay, what's the average, amount of years of experience for all the refs, you know, grab that average. And I got the, there's actually data, which is pretty cool for all this stuff. Um, and I came to 12.5 years for this specific season, but then I realized how long it took me to do that. And I was like, I don't want to do that for all these. <laughs> that takes too, way too long, but there is something there. I'm serious. Like this specific season, I said it a little bit in a previous podcast. I'm not sure if it was last podcast, but I think, you know, I think the referees kind of enable the players in the way that, like I said, there was this one quote that I always keep bringing up that could totally be incorrect. And I've just had it wrong my entire life, but I think it was Messi, the soccer player who was like always getting fouled in soccer games, never getting the call. So he just decided to start flopping and it yeah. worked. Yeah. And I just feel like that's kind of how it is in the NBA too. A lot of guys like Stephen Curry don't get fouls. And you know, I feel like Steph is a pretty bad flopper. I feel like he's not that good at it. Because he's, he's really you know, bad at it. You know what else he's, he's really bad, bad at? at he is bad at contorting his body to make the shot harder so that he gets the contact. If he missed a lot of those shots, I think he'd get the foul call. The fact that he makes all of those shots, he doesn't get the whistle because they're waiting to see if he's able to get that in. And I think if he missed a lot more of those, he'd get the whistle. The the refereeing thing, I feel like it was really bad about 10 or 15 years ago. And if you've read about the Tim Donaghy, all that stuff, like you, you understand why, but uh, you know, you mentioned the data. Now there's more data. There's more replays. There's Twitter accounts. There's stuff where you can actually go back and watch the tape and see. So they're under more scrutiny than ever. Specifically this season, I kind of wonder 
about two things specifically. They every year at the beginning of the season, they call the game a little bit closer. They want to reinforce some things. And if you remember this year, it was the travel, right? Jordan Poole was getting like two or three travels every single game. And they were searching for travel violations. And so I think that made too. I think and caring. That's another one. And I think that made a lot of the players super aggressive towards the referees. Like, oh, you're trying to take away a part of my game, which is the reason why I'm a really good player. The second thing is we have, uh, and this, this was more so in the James Harden era, but James Harden would hunt contact with his body, and he was so physically strong he could play through the contact. You see it in Luca. Luca searches out for the for the contact, and so those guys are really hard to referee. Giannis just can go through any contact that is there, and he's ripping through arms and legs and bodies, makes him really hard to referee. Shaq was was similar in that, but I, I won't even say similar. Shaq had a similar result, but in a different way. It's because he would get the ball in the post. And three people would go at him and he'd get hacked on the arm, hacked on the arm, but he was so strong to play through it. He didn't get the whistle either. So I think there's a few different things. I don't know if this is something that the NBA needs to go, like sort of go back and tweak and and maybe they are. I'm sure they're always looking to improve, but the guys are bigger, faster and stronger than ever. And then you have this other piece where they're kind of playing like soccer players, right? Where they're just so physical and when they when they do get hurt, like you see uh, Lucas thing last night was the head goes back like any sort of contact to the body. He sells it with the head because he doesn't want to sell it with the body because he's dribbling. So he sells it with the head. And Poole so does it sometimes, too. It's yeah, just Poole, they, yeah, it too. it's like ingrained in them. It's what they've learned to do because it's worked. Devin Booker, too. There's so many photos of Devin Booker mid drive with his eyes closed and his mouth like wide open flinching because like that's just what he's in. He's just like taught himself to do on every single drive is to sell contact, even though it might not be there. And to all their credits, like I'm sure they do get fouled a lot. But at the same time, it's like. Now they've just started doing it even when they don't get fouled. And yeah. that's the frustrating part. And that's, and that's you know, where the referees don't want to get conned, right? Because that is the one that's going to screw them up in the public eye the most is when they call a foul when the foul is not even there. So that's that's a hard one. They have a hard job. Uh, you would hope that, you know, this would be something that the NBA wants to make sure that that they get right. And, and hopefully they, they do and they will. And uh, I think the referees themselves do – generally a pretty good job you can see the ones who uh are a little less or a little bit more sensitive to the players and the frustrations and you can you know there's a certain referee i forget he's the guy with the slick back hair who i hate when the warriors play because scott foster no it's not scott foster oh no guy yeah 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 i I forget that guy's name but yeah. Uh, you could tell like he's searching for the Warriors, any Warriors players to get mad at him. And he's he's really quick on the on the text and stuff. So it, it's a it's an issue, but it's always sort of been an issue. I'm sure you can go back to the Wilt Chamberlain days where Wilt would say, ah, these yeah. referees, you know, but it's an I mean, ongoing there's, thing. There's some there's some Twitter statisticians that I would be interested if anyone's ever listening to this podcast. A stat I would be interested in is in the last two minute report, they um they you know, in the last two minutes, I think the game has to be within five or something like that. 
uh, they tell you what calls they got right and what calls they may have missed or gotten wrong, I believe. I would be interested to know like their average of getting them right as opposed to previous years. If that's lower, if that's higher, if I'm going crazy, I don't know. <laughs> but my, con- my, con- my point with bringing up this whole ref thing is I feel like Draymond's usually like right in a lot of the stuff he argues about, but he's just, you know, emotional and, and he's loud and, and, you know, he gets, uh, he gets the T like this, this last game against the Mavericks, like he tried to take a charge on Luca and it got called or it was not Luca. Maybe it was a different player. Christian Wood, I think it's Christian Wood. And he got called as a block and he gets up and I'm like, this guy's about to get the T, but you look at the replay and it's a charge. It's like, or it's a no call. It's like, yeah. how is that a block? Well, the, so, the bad one was the loose ball foul on Jordan Poole from last night. That was where, awful. Where he and Luca are both. Is it Luca who he was going for the mm-hmm. ball with? And he jumps up to go for the ball and he sees this giant six, seven, 240 <laughs> pound dude. And so he kind of protects himself <clears throat> in the collision. Cause he's the smaller man and he gets called for the loose ball. That's just yeah. a no call. It, right? it, it shouldn't be a call, but I've, we've actually seen some more loose ball violations that, uh, of late. And I just wonder if it's because they're just so concerned about the players who are creating initially initiating the contact. So Jordan initiates the contact because he's friggin' athletic and he could get to that basketball where, <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably a lot of players can't get to it. So it, it's interesting. And I'll, we'll, we'll see how, as the league gets further and further out as the evolution, the players are only going to get more talented and more athletic and they're going to have to figure out, I don't know if it's adding a fourth ref because back in the day, they only had two, then they added a third and so is it adding a fourth ref? Is it adding um, an extra pair of eyes to help with these replay shenanigans? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to figure that out and we'll see. Um, can I start Can I start the, the show with something? Yeah. Or now we're, we're kind of a couple minutes in. But last show, I brought up a potential lineup that I wanted to see yep. play. Coming at Draymond and Looney in the same lineup, right? Was no. It, or no? Uh, it was Steph, Clay, DiVincenzo, Kaminga, and Draymond. Okay. Um, and I brought up the stats as of March 15th, which was eight days ago, the day we recorded the show. They were a minus 26.6 on 44 possessions, um, 56.4% from effect, uh, effective field goal percentage on offense, which is, I think, was like a 92 or 95 percentile out of all lineups, um, which is really good. Uh, and then as of today, March 23rd, they're a minus 23.3 on 86 possessions. So what I did get right is that Kerr went to that lineup a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, only 44 possessions as of last week. And now they're at 86 they possessions doubled it as almost. of this week. They doubled it basically. And something that was available for most of the season. Um, now they're minus 23.3. So only, you know, a plus three in that time that, or plus 3.3 in that whole week. Um 59.4 effective field goal percentage on offense, which is the 97th percentile in all offenses, which is insanely good. Um, 99 percentile in points per possession, insanely good, but they are 64.9% effective field goal percentage, specifically on defense. So they're allowing 64% of their opponent's shots to go in, which is the zero percentile, the worst. Want to know something funny, though? Hmm. I was like, what happens? All right. What happens if we take clay out and put JP in <laughs> switch clay with JP plus 59. Oh, wow. On 20, 24 possessions. Yeah. So I wonder if uh, they, I wonder if they will, cause they were obviously seeing something there. And I wonder if they saw the same adjustment as you, which is you substitute JP for clay and you're probably, uh, 
going a little bit faster on offense. You're attacking the basket a little bit mm-hmm. more. Uh, but then on defense, you're you're obviously weaker with JP. Yeah, sort of I mean, there's an argument to be made about the Clay defense this year, how it's pretty bad. But yeah, ideally, yeah, Clay's supposed to be a better defender than JP. What I want to see is the Steph Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, Draymond lineup. Mm-hmm. I want to see what that one looks like when everyone's back, because I think that could be really good. But at the same time, then I'm sure the Warriors would probably be like, oh, well, let's just switch GP with Kaminga. You know, GPs, they, they, they rely on him. They like him more. I mean, I you 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 could if Kaminga is shooting the basketball well, you could put GP you could, instead of you, you could play them play. together, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, and the Cole Kaminga shooting threes thing, like to me, it looks obvious that the coaches are telling him, and I think you know, I think Steve might have said it himself, or if someone from Plus Minus said it, but they don't want him to shoot to start the possession. They want the ball to swing around a couple times, then find them on a catch and shoot. And I bet his catch and shoot numbers have been great because I, I honestly trust it every time the ball gets swung to him. I just don't trust it when he is bringing the ball up and like kind of just dribbling, seeing for an offense to to start creating himself because they're off of him by like 15 feet. And they're just going to like try to Draymond him into shooting that shot, what Draymond does to opponents in the playoffs specifically. So I think it but it's when it's when it's swung back to him on a catch and shoot he hits that thing. Like I trust him hitting that shot and the numbers prove it. I mean, he's what he's at 36% right now. I tr- I very much trust him in the corner. I don't know what yeah. his percentage is in the corner, but he looks so much more comfortable shooting that. And you know what? Draymond gets this too, where the defense sags off of him. And I would, I would love to hear Draymond telling Kaminga, what to do in that moment because the difference is is I don't think the other teams are as scared of Draymond driving and finishing as they are with Kaminga because if he is if he does let's let's say he has the ball at the top of the key and he just goes ah, I'm not going to shoot this wide open three all he has to do is take one step because he's got a giant step and that defense is going to react to him because they don't want him to just pipe one you know off of a, a two step and a dribble. And I wonder what happens if he does that and where the defense goes, because he did this, uh, I think it was to Anthony Lamb last night, where he like whipped a pass for a wide open three to Anthony Lamb. And I think it was solely because the defense, they got dunked on five times and they were like, okay, you know, we need to defend this thing. And he whipped it out to, to Lamb. So there are opportunities for him to playmake in those situations. Going back a couple of games, the, the Clippers game, Russell Westbrook decided to not shoot as much as he did when the Warriors would sag off on him in the Lakers. And instead, he would drive and he would bump bodies in the middle and he would set up shooters. And I thought he played really well. It's kind of bummed that he did. He was like, <laughs> oh, man. You know, now we're going to have to play a little bit differently if he if he plays this way against the Warriors. So there's something there for Kaminga to actually be a playmaker out of that situation and out of that scenario because his his first step is really good, and they're not going to want him to get that close because then all he got has to do is jump, and then he has these long arms and he just kind of scoops it in. So they're going to want to stop that, and the person whose side comes to try and stop that, there's probably going to be an open shooter right around the corner. Yep. Kaminga has been doing something that's kind of silly. I don't know if he did it last game, but I know he did it in Houston in almost every single game before that for like the past five games. I don't think he realizes that sometimes he catches the ball and he's wide open in the paint. 
and yeah do you see what i know i'm talking about then he yes. just kicks a corner yeah. it's like okay it is jordan pool but okay it is clay but you have a shot that's wide in, open in his point. mind he, in his mind he's thinking there must if, be someone if there are people here then there's someone open and he's just you know and instinctually it, it's great someone needs to tell him dude you're wide open wide yeah yeah so <laughs> There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So let's actually talk about that game a little bit more. The Warriors win the fourth quarter. They never really pulled away. And I was frustrated, but it's the type of frustration that fans have, and I'm sure that the coaches have when you have to guard Luca. And I think, you you know, there's probably multiple ways to do this, but the, the, the ways that we saw last night were he, uh, one, he would do, he would do the one-on-one stuff. And at some point, and I don't know when this point happened, but then they would, they would trap and they would try to get him to, you know, make a play off his back foot or, you know, they wanted the other players to beat them, obviously. The other way to do that, though, and this is something that Marcus Thompson has been on pretty much the whole season, which is let the other teams take hard twos instead of open threes. Reggie Bullock was the best three-pointer in the history of the NBA last night. And it was only because he would go to a spot, the Warriors would trap, and they would leave him wide open. And he was just splashing all those shots and it made me think like i like the game plan cannot be reggie bullock wide open three-pointers like that can't be what the game plan is but that's what luca turned the game plan into and then i wondered like what would happen if they just played them one-on-one they they might have more foul trouble uh if that happens and and maybe when uh, when wiggins is back maybe that is the plan but luca spends so much time with the basketball and he's so methodical and some of these twos are really, really hard. As you could tell, he was pretty gassed last night in the legs. And so he didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of good finishing touch around the rim, probably because of the lower body. He was so tired. But I was just like, why don't we just defend the three? 
let Kaminga guard Luca one on one and just tell him to stay home and have Luca shoot over him. And if he makes him, he makes him. But I'd rather have the those hard twos than these wide open backbreaking threes that just did not allow the Warriors to extend that lead past. I think it was it got to eight points and then there was like two back to back wide open threes and they were right back in it and tied the game. So that that had to be frustrating uh, for the team. Uh, Luca's a really hard guy to play against. But how would you guard him? Like, what did you want to see the Warriors do against him last night? It was more one-on-one. I keep seeing, you know, like I think Kaminga had him one-on-one and then Clay runs up to try to get the double off. And it just felt like we didn't need some of that sometimes. It felt like you could let Kaminga play straight up. I get the foul aspect. Yeah. But, you know, that's probably a really valid aspect that I should have thought of that I didn't necessarily think of is that Kaminga's, you know, kind of, racks up a lot of fouls pretty quickly and Luca's really good at getting fouls. So that's just a, not a match made in heaven, but I still think that you give him an opportunity because um, he is your best perimeter guard or not perimeter guard, but guarding the perimeter with Wiggins out until and GP out. So I think you, I don't know. It's just, I think those double teams and people sinking in just allowed for that offense to get going. Uh, Jaden Hardy, Man, he was hitting. Reggie yeah, him, him and hitting. Bullock were just, you know, they, they turned him into the Splash Brothers because they were so wide open. So maybe what I would have said is, okay, how about the guy who's on Jaden Hardy? You don't sink in, <laughs> right? They just felt like whoever was on him was was the one who was sinking. He, I think all of his three-pointers, who we, we love our advanced analytics, go check how many were, you know, contested. <laughs> I feel like it were none of them. None of so, them. You know, him and Reggie, it's just like, okay, if you're going to double, double off the guys who maybe haven't proven they can hit this game yet. Maybe they're still a little cold. I guess the the counter to that is, well, let's not warm them up. But, I mean, let's not give the guys who are already hot and warm another opportunity. Yeah, it was another Fitz moment of, oh, Hardy's having the best night of his life. And I'm like, <laughs> this dude is wide open. And why don't we call out NBA player wide who, open? You know, there's a there's a Hardy argument. You know, we talked. To, I talked to the your Mavs buddy about Hardy because I liked Hardy. We yeah, watched Brian's, him in the G yeah, League. Brian Zillum. We watched him in the uh, Wiseman's game in Santa Cruz at Chase Center, Santa Cruz Warriors at Chase Center. But you know, Jaden Hardy has that mentality that like he's a guy that like he is this shot creator. He you can't mess with his confidence. Kind of like you know how we thought Jordan Poole was, maybe still is, but you know specifically last year and the year before how Jordan Poole just had this insane amount of confidence. That's kind of how Jaden Hardy is. So I feel like. Jaden Hardy playing with Luca specifically, how Luca, you know, if you're Justin Holiday, if you're Reggie Bullock, like you're specifically a role player and you know you're a three and D guy. So when you do the you when you miss the one thing you're supposed to do, like I'm sure it can get in your head. And I'm sure Luca getting mad at you can get in your head. But when Jaden Hardy's like, I don't give a F what you guys think about me, I'm pulling this thing. I feel like that's like a good mentality sometimes to have um when playing with when playing with a guy like Luca, like LeBron. You know, that's why JR was so great with LeBron until he had that one moment in the finals. But yeah, I think uh, I, I like Jaden Hardy a lot and I like his confidence and I wanted the Warriors to take him. I have a tweet out there. I was like, I hope the Warriors take Patrick Baldwin Jr. And Jaden Hardy. And I got one of them right. But man, that would have been nice to have Jaden Hardy. Uh, you're you wouldn't really remember this too much, but. Uh, you know, you probably heard people talk about this when the Warriors beat the Mavericks in 07, the We Believe team, what they did. And this is a little bit different because Dirk and Luca play a little bit differently. Dirk was more in the post. And so they would set up a play and they throw the ball to Dirk in the post. And, you know, he's dribble back, you know, dribble back up, dribble back up. 
And right when they thought he was about to shoot, then they would bring the double. And so he would either have to shoot over two people or he would have to hurriedly pass out because he was being trapped. And I don't know if you can do that because the game is so spaced out these days, but I wish that trap on Luca came uh, maybe a, a second later uh, or anticipating maybe like maybe they shade him into an area. Do you remember what they did in the playoffs? This past playoffs? Uh, well, I mean, it was Wiggins, but what did the, I, I forget what they did. So, so Luca would always try to get Steph or JP mm-hmm. on him. So he'd bring his guy up for, to, to get the Steph switch. And then Steph would heavy show for like 1.5 to two seconds and just make a little bit of contact. So Luca thinks that's his guy and then sprint back to his guy who's <laughs> on the roll or maybe on the pick and pop. And then Wiggins will get back in front. Yeah. That defense worked perfectly. And yeah. I can imagine that's what, just what they're going to do again. Yeah, and, the and Kyrie maybe... Irving piece negates that, you know, that's why you have Kyrie Irving to not allow that stuff like that happen. Well, well what it does though, is it turns Kyrie Irving into the, into the Jaden Hardy or into the Bullock spot. And he's a, he's a better shooter than both of those guys. But then, like you said, you know, you just got to make sure that that's the guy that doesn't help because you got to keep an eye on him specifically. But it's a nice puzzle for the Warriors to figure out. I just I just watch them and their rotations just do not seem great. Like there's always a guy who seems to be in the wrong spot on the rotation. And maybe it's some of it is just that, you know, they, they've had a few injuries here and there. Guys are not always playing with the same lineups and. You're not, you know, you're not a hundred percent and, you know, not having Iguodala there as like sort of a leader defensively too. That probably doesn't, doesn't help. But uh, one player who should help is a uh, GP two. And uh, Anthony Slater said that he's supposed to practice on Saturday. So the Warriors have a game on Friday against Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid. This is the only time coming to San Francisco this year, I believe. Uh, one of the front runners to win the MVP. So Philadelphia comes into town. The Warriors will practice on Saturday. GP is supposed to practice, and there's a possibility that he can play Sunday, which is, I think it's going to be a nice shot in the arm. This isn't going to be like a new player to the team where they haven't, they don't understand how to fit and all that stuff, or which is what happens when you trade for guys because he was on their team last year. So I think it's going to be a nice, successful transition for him back into the team. It's going to take minutes away from uh, probably Moody. We've seen Moody get a few minutes of late, so he's probably losing those minutes. Uh, I I would imagine DiVincenzo loses a few minutes here as well. Uh, But I don't know. I think I'm excited. I I hope that he's healthy, healthy, not, not just like barely healthy because I think he definitely matters. And the one thing that, that with Kaminga, Kaminga's dunks, a lot of Kaminga's dunks come off of his own creativity. We haven't seen the alley-oop as a, as a big thing this year as much, even though you had Wiseman, right? Like Wiseman and Kaminga should be those guys who are just always ready for that spot. GP plays that dunker spot better than both of those guys. So I think we'll see some of that action again with those two, with uh, GP. I'm so excited for athletic GP. I, I Yeah, like you said, that dunker spot, he just he plays it so well. And I've, you know, said multiple times that I think GP2 is the best guard defender in the entire league, like best ones and twos defender. 
Um, you know, obviously you think Drew Holiday, but I think Drew Holiday is like an overall defender is probably better being able to guard like one through three, maybe one through four for Drew. Whereas GP, if you put him on a one and a two, that guy's not scoring specifically a point guard. Like not that he's not scoring, but he's getting the best defense he's ever gotten in his life. Like the way GP plays defense on point guards is just like, I don't know what I'd do if I was a point guard. So I'm super excited to have a guy like that back. Cause what have we been struggling with? What's our defensive rating? You know, it's, it's not like, I don't think it's below 20 uh, out, of, out, of, out of the 30 teams, but it's probably around there. So, you know, I, th- getting... I think they're like, yeah, they're like in the middle. Yeah, I think they're but at home, home. They're great defensively. It's the road <laughs> that they that they just suck so bad defensively. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, a couple of the things uh, out of that game. Uh, in the fourth quarter, they decided to not settle for threes. I don't know how much of that was also really not letting clay kind of be the the starter of the offense and really making the ball just be in Steph's hands constantly uh but they did not get three happy they only took open threes you saw Anthony Lamb hit a couple and they were trying to get to the basket including that last play in the game where uh Steph uh I think there was a there was a screen and then there was another screen coming. was coming on the other side, and Steph didn't use that screen and just went one-on-one against Kleber. And I think uh, I think Luca was supposed to step up and help, but he didn't. He was so tired. And Steph just goes in for a nice, easy layup to kind of put the, put the lead out there. And I love seeing that play. Instead of this setup to get an open three, I like – I'm, I'm comfortable with Steph going to go into the hole and shooting a shot that may be a little hard and contested, but I'm more confident in that Steph shot right now, late in the game than a Jordan pool three pointer or an Anthony lamb three pointer. And sometimes even a clay three pointer, depending on what clay we're getting like, cause some, some of those games, what was the game? Uh, was the Houston game where Steph was, or clay was scorching one of those games. He was like just on fire in the, the Phoenix game too, but there was one recently. I think mm. I think it was the Houston game where he was just hot, and uh, and yeah, it's just like let's let's do the things that we know when we need to get a bucket. It's these the creativity and drawing up these offensive plays, it's good. Like the, we have open shots, but I like that. And then the other thing is, um, they started. I think this was part of it, and. When I finally caught up to the live TV, I sent you and uh, our buddy Ben Cruz a text, and I said, they need to get Luca in the action because he's so tired, and he's complaining to the refs, which is why you knew that he was pretty tired. And so that last play, getting him in the action, I think that's how another, you know, we talk about defending him and stopping him. Getting him involved on defense is another way to kind of play him because getting him tired, getting him in foul trouble, getting him bothered. Now, getting him bothered, then he starts, you know, pulling up these fadeaway three-pointers that go in. Uh, but I think, you know, defensively, they, they, if they played, they're probably not playing the Mavericks again in the playoffs, but I think they would get him into more action uh, on the defensive end because yeah, they it, did it works. They did that last year. They did that to him last year. They did that to Ja last year. They did that to Jokic last year just to try and get those guys tired. So, you know, and it and it worked. So, yeah, I think that's a recipe for success. And, you know, we should talk about 
did you have anything after this plan? I was, I was thinking we should talk about like, well, I mean, sh- we should talk about their upcoming opponents, but also like, you know, plus minus started talking about it a little bit today. And I feel like I've talked about it a little. Who do you want to play in the playoffs? Who do you want to see? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's on, it's on the docket. It's definitely it on is? the docket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do that right now? Yeah, let's do it right now. Uh, one before right. we before we go there, I just want to mention uh, Thompson to Clark did a podcast with Darren Chan, KMBR, San Francisco Giants radio engineer, and someone who's just uh, knows the ins and outs of of the Giants and the sports business and and everything. And uh, Brad's out, so we recorded that. It, it went up uh, early this uh, uh, early yesterday, uh, so definitely check that out. Or early this morning for people watching on video. Yesterday for people listening on audio. Uh, but yeah, that that was a really good podcast. So I just wanted to mention that before we move on. Was that uh, your ad? Was that your ad read for this for the segue? You always do like some ad reads before each topic. For in the middle. No, of the I mean that, that those are those are like built-in interviews that I have to create. <laughs> space no, for, I know. But... I'm just saying you said a live ad read. No, uh, yeah, I like I like doing live ad reads actually. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this playoff situation right now with. Uh, eight games left. The Warriors are 38 and 36. They sit a half a game behind the Clippers. That is notable because Paul George is out. We we think two to three weeks minimum. And they're only a game behind the Suns. And as we know, Kevin Durant is out. Uh, they are a full game ahead of the Timberwolves. They are a full game ahead of the Thunder. They play both of those upcoming and they are a full uh, game and a half ahead of the Mavericks, the Lakers, two games ahead of the Jazz and the Pelicans. So that's where they stand in the number six spot. If the highest they could get is four, and if they got to four, they would they would have the home court advantage in the first round. Realistically, are they able to get to four? I feel like Phoenix uh, ha- has some some rough some rough games coming up. Thankfully for the Warriors, five out of their last eight are home. Is the four spot realistic for this team? I, I wouldn't say it's unrealistic, but I'm not sure if I'd say it's realistic. What are they? It's just a game, right? It's just yeah, a game out of the four. Two, there are two more losses for the Warriors. They have the same yeah, they play two more win. games. Um, yeah, I don't think it's impossible. Like, I think Phoenix is going to have, you know, one of those chip on their shoulder games where it's like, oh, we don't we feel cheated out of a win. So we're going to go in and kick kick the next team's butt. But hey, they've been losing lately. Like they had a close game with Orlando that they almost lost. They lost to OKC. They lost to L.A. Like, you know, when you give up, when you go trade for Kevin Durant, you have to give up a lot of your core pieces. And they did with Mikkel Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder, who hadn't played this year. And you get back Kevin Durant, and guess what? Kevin Durant's not playing, so you're still missing KD, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder, and you're going to be worse. So do you have Phoenix's schedule? I feel like we yeah, can maybe predict up. some games. All right, so here are the next four. They only have, do they have six? Is that right? One, two, three, four. Five, no, they five, should have six, more. No? no, they have 10. They have 10. Yeah. Uh, Suns Kings tomorrow night. Oh my God. <laughs> Is that must watch? That might be must watch television because the Kings are on a two game losing streak. Uh, Sixers go into Phoenix after they play the Warriors, but that's uh, both teams are going to be back to back. Hey, isn't that oh, really quick before you read the rest? I think someone said on a broadcast 
because I, I was listening to the Lakers Suns last night. Someone said something like the Suns have like four games in like the next six days or something like that. Like they kind of have one of those Friday, like, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. So not not quite, but it's Friday, Saturday, then a day off, Monday, day off, the day Wednesday. Off. It's three three games in five days. Yeah. Damn. And and then uh, after that, then they got the Jazz on Monday. Probably pretty winnable at this point, though. Like I said, the Jazz aren't <laughs> the Jazz aren't done. You know, they're they didn't they're get right in the towel yet. Uh, T Wolves on Wednesday. Uh, then the Nuggets on the uh, next Friday, and then the Thunder and their Thunder are in the mix. But then again, everyone in the in the West is almost in the mix. Uh, they they have a gimme with the Spurs, and then they have the Nuggets again. Then they have the Lakers, and then they have the Clippers to end the season. Wow! If the Nuggets weren't playing so poorly right now, like I would be like, yeah, the Warriors are getting the four seed. Got to see the Nuggets twice. I, I I'm I'm gonna say that the Suns. Suns might lose this Kings game and they might lose this Sixers game, depending on who plays for the Sixers. Like, I think there's some definitely some opportunity for the Warriors to sniff that four seed in the next three or four games. And then we'll see how the Warriors play on the road. (laughs) Okay, so my prediction is that the Warriors end the season 43 and 39. That that's just and I'm just basing it on their home road splits (laughs) for the season. Right. The Suns would only have to win three more games. To do better than that? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, five more games out of their 10. So they'd have to go five and five, and the Warriors would have to go five and three to be tied. And I think Phoenix owns the tiebreaker there, I believe. Because they, I think they beat the Warriors like three times. Yeah. So that's that. That's the problem in that if the Warriors had the tiebreaker, I think they could actually get there. But because they won't, then they're probably not getting there. But at the same time, if you do get to four or five, it's going to be the Suns. So you're basically saying we want to play the Suns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Clippers being a half a game above them, I kind of feel like I'd rather play. I I I have an opinion. I think I have a locked. I, 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 Chris Paul never beats us. That's the only. That's the only <laughs> thing I'm hanging on to is Chris Paul hasn't beat Steph since thirteen. I also think if there's a round that you want to see Phoenix in, I think it's the first round when they're still trying to figure out what their team looks like. Do you want to get to the King? I don't know. Getting to the Grizzlies might be the best thing right now. I don't know. They're all, all the teams are good, right? The Warriors, there's no gimme in the first round for them, no matter who they play. You, if you get to four, you're still playing the Suns. If you get to five, you're playing the Suns. If you get to six, you're playing the Kings. If you stuck at seven, you're playing the Grizzlies. There's no gimme. So it's it's really who you prefer from a matchup perspective. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't know if this is a shocking take, but I actually don't want to see the Kings in the first round. I think that, you know, we don't know what's happening with Wiggins. Let's say he comes back at the end of the season. Um, we saw what happened this season when he came back from that long injury. It took him about three to four games to get back into that one game that he played really well against the wizards. Then he went to dis- he disappeared again. So we don't actually even know if he would have had, if he was back back, you know, he just had one really good game. So I think that there's going to be, who's the team that's probably going to at least scheme the best against us as from a coaching perspective, it's probably Mike Brown. It's probably going to be the coach of the year, even though the Kings have bad defense. Like I think Mike Brown is going to, you know, coach his ass off in that series. And if there's a, you know, I don't want to see a team that's been, 
uh, has insane cohesion and has been playing together all season with little to no injuries in the first round, specifically when we're trying to find our stuff. We're trying to still find out what our best lineups are. We probably know what our best lineup is with that starting unit, but our second and third and fourth best lineups, I don't want to still, I don't want to be figuring that out against a team who has that, who has their 10 best lineups already figured out. But they may also be the butt cheeks Kings though, because they've never been in this moment, right? Like, uh, you know, it's funny. Marcus and Slater made a, a very a thing that I didn't even think about, which is if you play Sacramento, what is the percentage <laughs> yeah. of Warriors fans that are in that building? I don't know, actually. Forty um, percent. No sacks. Yeah, I would. I would probably lean towards thirty. I think. How many like diehard loyal Warriors fans are there at Chase? Like, not that many, right? It just feels like it's the rich people that in San Francisco that that maybe that's speculation but I feel like I've been to some games that I don't know it just feels like that Kings arena just feels louder did you hear that did they boost the the speakers on that Mavs arena last night I don't know it feels like the audio just like (laughs) uh, went over the DB limit it was just for like I don't know um but and and then I think another reason for the Kings is is definitely 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 the uh the travel Mm mm-hmm you don't have to go from from uh, San Francisco to Memphis. You literally just drive, and yeah. I know that would be way easier on on our players, uh, our body, their bodies. So, I think there's definitely a lot of pluses to seeing Sacramento, which you've brought up in the sense of like a team that's never been to the playoffs with this current regime. Um, is it, it would that's never happened where in the at least the past since I've been watching basketball where a team that's never been to the playoffs with their unit goes and wins a title, you know, they might win a couple games, but um, you know, I, I've actually have, I have a couple things for them. Like Kings fans are always talking about like, Oh, our offensive rating. It's the best of all time. It's been the best of all time. Uh, that's been broken every single season for the past seven seasons, just because offense is becoming so much uh easier not i don't know about easier but just it's just more tailored to offensive games so the kings have the best offensive rating of all time impressive but last year there was the best offensive rating of all time the year before that someone broke the best offensive rating of all time i think the second best offensive rating of all time is the kd year where he had his foot on the line (laughs) against the bucks you know and then also De'Aaron fox has the most clutch points of all time that means they're in a lot of clutch games if he yeah. has to shoot, make a lot of points. So the top five clutch players of all time, I know the players, I forget the years. I believe it was Damian Lillard year after the bubble. It was DeMar DeRozan last year. It was Joel Embiid the year after the bubble or uh, or last year. I'm just naming all these players that they all lost in the first or second round. Yeah, because if your team is going to so many clutch games and so many close games, odds are when you get to the playoffs... The team that's not getting to that many close games and they're winning out more, are probably going to beat you. The defense is going to settle in and they're probably going to beat you in the clutch. I don't know. I, I think Sacramento can be beaten pretty easily. I think they can get to the second round. And I think whoever plays them in the second round is going to beat them. I just, as a Warriors fan, I don't know if I want to see them in the first round as we're trying to figure our stuff out still. I think I'd rather see the Suns, which sounds like crazy. Like who wants to see KD in the first round? Because they're still trying to figure out what, they're go- what they got going. They don't know. It's not even KD, book has killed them this year uh yes yeah, that that would be the other thing but you know they, they do not have the steph stopper anymore in mikhail bridges Mm-mm. so that 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 is a different steph what, is cooking whatever the first round matchup is for the warriors it's probably gonna be the best matchup 
in all the playoffs because they're going to be playing a really good team and there's going to be a storyline in every situation with the Kings. It's, it's the, the little brother against the big brother storyline from the California, the Northern California. It's the, uh, it's the, what's that movie that you like? The, the UFC movie. What's the UFC movie? Uh, with, uh, it's, isn't it? It's with the guy who who plays Venom. Uh, Tom. Oh Tom Hardy. yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking so, about. What's that one called? I you forget me what that's called. Yeah, yeah we, I think <laughs> did we go see it in theaters? That might be the only time I ever saw it, though. Um, yeah, and and then with the Grizzlies, it's you know the Grizzlies, they are also kind of the the little brother, but in a different way, in that they talk like they're gonna win, and and they want it so badly. Him around, and you know, look, I think the, I think. Jaron Jackson is the new player that the Warriors just cannot defend. And he just creates so much frustration for them. So last year he was really good, but Draymond would just get him in foul trouble a lot. And he'd have to come out of the game. And he looks, he looks like a more mature player this year, but he also still has to stay on the court. And then of course, Phoenix, you have Durant and you have CP and that would be, you know, that would be bonkers for the NBA. I think, I think, I think that, I think that's what the NBA is probably rooting for is that yeah. series. I wanted to see Clippers Suns because I thought that the Clippers might be able to take them out in the first round, but then PG went down. So who would you rather see if it's, let's say a uh, scenario, the Warriors get the fourth seed that's home court advantage against the Suns who are the yep. fifth seed. Would you rather see that matchup or would you rather see Warriors 3-6 against the Kings? If, if they don't have home court. get to four, I would get to four. Okay. But if they have to play on the road, I think I'd rather play the Kings. Okay. Now it's I, it's a fair take. I just, I've been, I've been pooping. I, just, I don't want to use a bad word there, but I've been pooping on this Kings team the entire season <laughs> in the sense of like, I just, I just didn't believe in them and they just continue to uh, prove me wrong. Um, but I think if they, whoever their first round opponent is, let's say it's not the Warriors, if they beat them like four to one, like they're legit, right? Like we have to be like, oh shit. <laughs> like, and then I used the bad word there, <laughs> but it's like, oh crud, here comes like this king, this team might be legit. I don't know. It's, it's going to be, I'm super excited for this playoffs because I, I think I said it last week's pod. Every single major, every single team in the West specifically has major question marks. The Nuggets, what the hell happened to them? They've lost so many games lately. Jamal Murray has looked down. You look at the two seed, the Memphis Grizzlies. I guess Jaw's finally back. I guess they're starting to look better, but they have a lot of question marks on their they end. They won too, four in, in a row. Dylan Brooks. They have Dylan Brooks. Um, the three seed, Sacramento Kings, the team that's never been there before, has never gotten it done. The clutch thing, too, that I just talked about. The four seed, the Phoenix Suns, KD. I'd probably bet on the Phoenix Suns had KD played for the last two weeks to win the whole thing, not win the whole thing, but at least get to the Western Conference at the very least. Um, that's a major question of how they're going to you know, figure their stuff out come the first round. They have to literally figure it out in the first round of the playoffs. At least when Wiggins comes back, he has to get back to speed. But at the same time, he knows his place in this team. That's important. Mm-hmm. Fifth seed, right now it's the Clippers, you know, they they just ultimate butt cheeks of all time. They're the ultimate butt cheeks. You know that they're time. they're the you know we always talk about the Warriors are just the ultimate five hundred team. The Clippers are are uh, nineteen and seventeen on the road. On, uh, I'm sorry, at home, nineteen and eighteen on the road. They <laughs> are the ultimate. Arena. They're the ultimate five hundred team in this whole thing. Yeah, 
I'm just saying, like, I, I've got, I'm, I'm at the sixth seed for the Warriors now. We know they're question marks. We know they're legit. The seventh seed, you know, with the Timberwolves or whoever's the seventh seed, like the Timberwolves have major question marks too. Every single team has question marks. This, this, this Western Conference Finals appearance is wide open. Anyone can get it, in my opinion. And I think with this Warriors team, I keep talking about how talented I think this roster is specifically. It's just a matter of getting your guys back. Um, GP's finally coming back. If you get Wiggins back, I feel like, I feel like every Warriors fan, you know, I don't know if they should be like super optimistic because the Warriors have shown us every single time we record this podcast that we are excited because they just won two games, but you know, they lost three games to get there. It's that's what they continue to do to us all year. But I think that it is really uh what do they struggle at defense and rebounding? What does Wiggins do defense and rebounding? And Oh, well, he could create his own shot and hit a three point shot too. Oh, it's almost like he was their second best player in the finals. That might be useful mm-hmm. right now. I, th- I think it's night and day for this. I just think they need they I just think they needed like a, an, a center. Um, and Jermichael Green is not that. All right. Let's look at these next few games here. Sixers, Warriors, Embiid, little dinged up. He probably wants to play on this national stage uh, against the Warriors in San Francisco. That's going to be a tough game, but they are at home. Timberwolves on Sunday. They are at home again. Cat is back. And, they killed them when Cat was back. And then Pelicans at home on Tuesday, Spurs at home on Friday. So that's the next four games for them. And then they go back on the road, Nuggets. They come back one for the Thunder at home. Then it's Kings and Trailblazers to end the season on the road. Do you sniff five or do you think they're just going to go four and four like they always go four and four and two and two and three and three? Um. One, two, th- I think they could win out at home. I don't know if that's that's a hot take because I'm just giving them the 76ers who have the MVP. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they won out at home and then they lost to Denver and then they beat OKC. I could see five and three. I don't think that's, I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think a five and three is crazy. What's going to happen though? You want to say it together? Four and four. Four and four. (laughs) (laughs) Four and four gets them to 42 and 40 for the season. And that would probably still be the sixth spot at the very least. So it could be as long as they don't as long as they don't go in a tailspin and, you know, go three and five or two and six. I think they're probably pretty comfortable where they are. But then again, you know, this whole season has been unpredictable in in a very predictable way of 500 but just unpredictable and sort of the ups and downs of of how they play uh, all right so uh that that'll be it for this show you're going on vacation soon when are you going on vacation mm, i think next thursday okay so next thursday uh warriors play tuesday night um, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out if we can do another show with you for next week. And then I probably have to do one the following week with somebody else before you come back. And then by the time you come back, it'll almost be the playoffs. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> uh, all right. I saw you had a, a little video from the BAM Twitter uh, with your guest from you, you put the rockets, you put the rockets uh, footage in, in the video on Twitter and, and everything. Who was the, who's the guest that you had? Braddo. He, uh, he's kind of like him and his co-host. I feel like are kind of pretty, pretty popular on, on rockets, Twitter, kind of how Sam and Andy are um, for warriors, Twitter. He, he was a, he's, he's, it was a fun talk. He's around my age. 
uh, I, I think it was a really good conversation too. So, I mean, that was a couple of weeks ago. I probably already plugged it in this podcast. Oh, okay. I just saw the video. So I thought, yeah, no, I'm just revisiting some of those old videos and clipping stuff to get, uh, to get them on the social platform. All right. So uh, we are done here. We'll be back next week. Uh, I, if, if I, for some reason, I, what I want to do is I want to bring Ben back on at least uh, to, to talk, oh, yeah. week, but we'll see, but we'll see if, uh, if you I can go, going on light years. yeah, I know Dude, that's his home, man. Yeah. Uh, but we'll figure it out. If I can't get Ben, I'll see if there's anybody else in the Warriors universe who, who may come on to, uh, to do a chit chat with us. But uh, otherwise, Bri will be off. We'll see Bri back when he gets back from vacation, unless it's we can sneak one in next week. So for Bri, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Hey, guys, this is Al Galdi from the Al Galdi podcast. In case you didn't know, the show that you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand its team podcast network and business operations. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand its sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash blue wire. That's wefunder.com slash blue wire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.